Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. No, we got to do better than that. Can we rejoice before the Lord together? We did just sing that he's worthy of it all. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Amen. I don't know about you, but I came ready today. I've been in prayer every morning this week. 6.30 in the morning, the Lord has been meeting us in mighty and powerful ways. And uh, I'm hoping to transfer to you some life today in Jesus' name. Uh, it has just been a powerful, powerful time. And uh, if, if you can't make it at 6.30 because you've got work or other commitments, if, if uh, for whatever reason, Bedside Baptist is just a little too appealing. Uh, you are more than welcome to join us via the live stream. We have been live streaming this, uh, our prayer time, every single morning, uh, Monday through Friday at 6.30. And then, of course, on Saturday, on Saturday at 9.30. Uh, if this is your first time with us, a very special welcome to you. Glad that you would spend a little bit of your time with Renovation Church. Uh, today, I'm going to be preaching on fasting, and you're thinking to yourself, well, we're one week into this thing. Why are you just now preaching on fasting? Uh, well, one, because we needed to finish the series, Defining Jesus, that the Lord just kind of dropped in my spirit while I was away. And then uh, two, because I'm pretty sure we're probably not at 100% participation. And so today will be an invitation that if you are not currently uh, fasting with us uh, as a body, if you're not participating in the corporate fast, I pray that today would be an encouragement and an invitation for you to begin to do so. Uh, there is no greater power for life, and that is the title of my message today, Power for Life. Uh, so that would be my encouragement for you to start today. We have two weeks left. It's not too late. And at the end of the fast, not this coming Saturday, but the next, we'll do a big brunch to celebrate the end of our fast together after morning prayer. All of you are, of course, invited to that. Uh, and then for those of us who have been fasting, I hope today is an encouragement that you are center in the will of God and what he has for you and what he would have you to do and that you would be strengthened and bolstered today. That you would be strengthened and bolstered today. We're going to be reading passages in a couple of different places, but I did want to start with this one and we'll come back to it in the middle. If you want to follow along with notes, of course, there's a Bible app event. You can scan the QR code uh, and follow along with notes. Um, believing, hoping, praying uh, that that's going to come up as well. Uh, Matthew 6 16 through 18 reads this way. Uh, and when you fast, can I pray to close? And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, he said it twice. He said it twice. 
anoint your head with oil and wash your face. The Bible is so practical. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who's in secret and sees you in secret. Real reward you. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would humble us under the mighty hand of God. That we would experience the weight of your word together. And the great joy that accompanies a relationship with you. No matter where we are in our journey with Jesus or toward Jesus or even away from him. Lord, would you make yourself real today in this house? And would we have a palpable experience through your word as we already have through worship of your presence? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm going to start with a bold presumption today. I'm going to start with a bold presumption that if you are participating in our 21 days of prayer and fasting in any way, if you are participating in our 21 days of prayer and fasting in any way, then you want a robust and healthy spiritual life. I would go so far as to say that even if you are here, if you are here in the room or even joining us online, if you are here, present, fasting or not, it is because you believe even if it is a vacillating belief or a budding belief or a curious belief, you believe that there is something of value to practicing the way of Jesus. You believe it is at least worth considering. Even if you're not yet a follower of the way of Jesus, you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe it was at least worth considering somewhere, even if buried beneath a mountain of questions and doubts and fears and faults, to be engaged in any way with a local church is at least a small declaration, listen, that you want some version, some version of a healthy and powerful spiritual life. So the question then, if that is true of us, and I believe it is true of us, if that is true of us, then then. What keeps us from the type of spiritual life that deep down we want? Why are Paul's words ringing so true for me in this season of my life? That the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I just keep doing them. What is it that keeps us from this type of spiritual life? The list of reasons is as long and varied as the number and types of people who are part of this family. But there are a few we share. And I hope this is not off-putting for those among us who, again, are still undecided about Jesus. But our most significant obstacle to the type of spiritual life that we want is our enemy. Now, if you haven't been here for First Wednesdays this year, we've been doing an entire series on spiritual warfare. And, and if you haven't been here, I would encourage you to go and listen to it on YouTube because the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And if you believe if you believe that you can be a follower of Jesus and walk in some level of neutrality where if I don't bother him, he won't bother me, you are fooling yourself. He has one assignment, destruction. Okay? The scriptures call him the Satan, the adversary. He's real. 
And there are enough horrors in this world to prove that truth, whether we practice the way of Jesus or not. He not only orchestrates the worst activities of human nature, but he actively, listen, he actively resists your growth toward God. That feeling, like, why can't I get it? Is that just me? Why can't I get it? Why aren't I progressing? What is this thing that I'm battling? Well, it's not a thing. It's a he. And he's been doing it well for a long time. For a long time. We also live in a pluralistic society that challenges and discounts and distracts and disturbs our spiritual lives whenever and in whatever way it might. I'm to the point where I don't even want to hit the Explore page on Instagram because I never know what's going to pop up. Can I just call it out? All right. We said this was a safe place for honesty. I just want to call it how I see it. And how does that leave us feeling? Right? We're spiritual beings, but we're emotional beings. How does that leave us feeling? Confused at times, I'm sure. Confused at times. Confused even about whether this walk with Jesus is worth it. Maybe uncertain. But it shouldn't be this way. Every person who desires a robust and healthy spiritual life should have it. And of course, of course, I hope you know that I understand the challenge. Now, this is going to be a surprise to some of you. But I wasn't born a pastor. <laughs> Didn't walk out the womb preaching. Okay, when I got smacked by the doctor, I shouted, just like you, but not in the name of the Lord. Okay? And my spiritual life has not been free of difficulty in this role. If anything, for those of you who may feel called to vocational ministry, let me go ahead and tell you. If anything, the challenge is ramped up the day that I said I would follow Jesus vocationally and serve his church. But what has kept me, listen, it's just good old pastoral wisdom. What has kept me, what has strengthened me, what has empowered my spiritual life over these years, what, what has drawn me back every single time I go and do something that I know I shouldn't do, what has drawn me back, what has is, what is rooted me, what has strengthened me, it's just been rooting my life in the primary spiritual rhythms of faith. None more life-altering than fasting. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I can just be honest again, this is a safe place. It was not until a few years ago when we started doing this corporately as a church that fasting actually became a regular rhythm in my life year over year. Can I confess that? It was an occasional rhythm, but it was not a regular rhythm. Now, I did fast for the first time when I was 16 because the church where I became a Christian did the same thing. They would have 21 days of prayer and fasting at the top of every year. We added one in August because we needed that re-up. And when I fasted that time, I believe doing so, at least for a brief season in my teenage years, I believe it added a deeper dimension to my walk with Jesus. My spiritual life as a whole, following Jesus felt vital. It felt full. It felt inspired. And I don't believe there's a person on the planet who doesn't want a vital, full, inspired life. But it was an on again and off again, and wrongly so, listen, wrongly so, optional Christian practice for me. 
It was optional. I'm going to read my Bible when I have time. I'm going to go to church when I'm not too busy. I'm going to get in community if those people don't annoy me. And I'll fast when I need something from God. I didn't treat it as a power source that it did. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about y'all. I would never talk about y'all. Y'all teleported here like, like Stephen. I, I didn't treat it as a power source that it is until a few years ago when we started doing it together as a church. Why? Because many of us see fasting as an act reserved for the iron-willed super-Christian. But if you know me, you know I'm no one super-Christian. Barely hanging on here. It, it is God's grip that has me. And if I can commit to fasting, anybody can commit to fasting. I promise you. I got a high Enneagram 7. Denying myself is not in my core DNA. <laughs> fasting transformed my life and my journey with Jesus. It did. I'm just telling you this. This is just my story, my testimony to you. Fasting transformed. You know why your faith feels stagnant? Because you're not tapping into new life. Fasting transformed my journey with Jesus. It gave me access to new spiritual depths and desires. It helped me break long-standing bondages that I had had since childhood. It opened the door to greater vision and greater passion for the things of God and for this church. Quite simply, fasting fundamentally changed my life. So what I'm going to encourage you to do today is look beyond those assumptions of fasting being reserved for a certain type of person and see it as what it is, a gift of God and a means of grace that enables us to have more of him and more from him to live in this world with both delight and power. Why? Write this down if you want to write some notes. Without fasting, our spiritual lives are lackluster. Without fasting, our spiritual lives are lackluster. L-A-C-K-L-U-S-T-R-E. Lackluster. They drift into the very thing in our hearts we know we want to avoid. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want a power-filled, inspired faith. One of conviction, not waffling. One of joy, not mundaneness. And fasting is a fundamental key to that very end. Fasting is critical, not optional. Fasting is critical to a healthy and powerful spiritual life, not optional. It's critical. So if you want all that God has for you, if you want all that God has for you, then my hope today, my hope today is that you would take this invitation seriously. Richard Foster defines fasting as the voluntary denial of normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. I want it. I want it. Now, there are a myriad of reasons shown in Scripture why we should fast. Can I run through a few before I jump into this text? 
Strengthening prayer, Ezra 8.23, expressing grief, 1 Samuel 31, seeking deliverance or protection, 2 Chronicles 20, expressing repentance and returning to God, 1 Samuel 7.6, humbling oneself before God, 1 Kings, expressing concern for the work of God, Nehemiah, ministering to the needs of others, Isaiah, overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to God, Matthew 4, expressing love and worship to God, Luke 2. All of these are in your Bible. But today I just want to talk about three, and I'll be out your way, that I think are kind of the root of them all, two for sure. The third one, because everybody's always asking what they should do next. So, number one, number one, Jesus fasted. <laughs> Listen, I'm not doing magic up here. <laughs> I just opened up the book, and there it is. Whoop, there it is. I thought you knew, Right? You got to be old enough to know what that is. <laughs> Children, open up your Spotify and look it up. Jesus fasted. Jesus fasted. In fact, the, the chronicling of his fast is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole thing to you so that you get a context for this. And I'm, I'm just going to show you three things and then we'll move on. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, you need to know, just in case you ever want to try to do this, that 40 days is about as long as somebody can fast before it does permanent damage to their bodies. Okay? Moses fasted for 40 days. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Okay? 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And at the point of his weakness, this is important, at the point of his physical weakness, that is where the enemy, the tempter, comes in and says to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That's what our enemy does. He finds us at a point of physical or emotional weakness and then tries to get us to take our lives into our own hands, to satisfy our own desires, to satisfy our own needs, to satisfy our physical passions. But what he didn't understand when he wrote up on Jesus is that just because Jesus was physically weak doesn't mean that he was spiritually weak. And wherever he was depleted in his body because of the fasting, it made up for 10 times in his soul because of the time that he had spent with the living God. And so what happened? He said, go ahead and turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. Humankind shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let me give you a little free game here. The main reason you read your Bible, number one, is to know who God is and what story he's telling. But it's number two, so that when the enemy comes, you have a word from God to speak to him and not some intellectual nonsense that you've created in your quiet place. Learn the word so that you know how to fight. Man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Three temptations the devil brought to him. That was the first one. The second one, the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, because that's what he does. I hope y'all not missing this. If he cannot get you to put the satisfaction of your physical desires above your devotion to God, then he'll try to get you to question your identity. He'll try to get you to question your identity, 
question who God called you. If you are the son of God, if you are, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. And then, listen, I'm telling y'all, I don't have time to get into all of this. But you know the book of James says that demons, demons know the word of God and tremble. The demons know the Bible better than some of us. Look at this fool quote the word. <laughs> if you are the son of God, throw yourself down to the earth, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. You think the devil don't know the Bible? And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he questioned, he tries to get Jesus to question his identity. And then, and then he follows that by twisting the word of God to try to convince Jesus to tempt God to keep his word. Okay? But look at what Jesus responds. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He responds with the word. Why? I'm going to say it one more time. Because though he was physically weak, he was spiritually powerful. And he was rooted in the word. He knew he was the living word. And so he responded, no, we're not going to tempt or test God today. Because to test God is to challenge God to prove that he's God. And God don't need proving. And he also doesn't need defending. Okay. You don't stand in front of a lion and say, I got to protect this lion. God doesn't need defending from us. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Third temptation. I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you the world. I'll give you the world. You want to be famous? I'll make you famous. You want to have power? I'll give you power. You want influence, I'll give you influence. You want money, I'll give you money. I will give you the world. I will give you the weight of this temporal reality if you'll just fall down and worship me. But Jesus responds, be gone, Satan. Boy, bye. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left, and angels came and were ministering to him. Please don't miss the center of this. Jesus fasted, and it was in his fasting that he appropriated the spiritual power to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay? Go cross-reference this with Ephesians 6 and the spiritual warfare that we are under the, and, the, and what the weapons of our warfare are. And one of the great weapons of our warfare that we so often ignore is the denial of the body so that we can strengthen the spirit. Now, one little aside and I'll move on. You guys are thinking to yourself, well, that was Jesus. It was Jesus. Didn't the Bible say that Jesus did not count equality with God as something to be grasped? 
but that instead he divested himself of his divinity so that he can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that he can be an example to his followers of what it means to be a spirit-led human being on the earth walking in all of the authority that God promised us? He wasn't doing it in his divinity. Everything he did was by the Spirit of God. Number two, Jesus expects his followers will fast. We already read this one together, didn't we? He expects his followers will fast. There's an expectation. I don't know if you know this, but the Greek word for when is when. I didn't have to go to school for that. I didn't have to do any time in seminary to understand that when means when. Not if, not upon occasion, not in desperation, not because I have a need, but just as a regular rhythm of what it means to follow Jesus. When you fast, I don't know what that was. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And then, so we have the example Jesus fasted. And then Jesus tells us how to fast. And he gives us a couple instructions. Number one, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Let me correct a little theology here. Um, a lot of us were told when you fast and don't talk about it. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Like Fight Club. All right? In your fast club, you don't talk about fast club. That's not what he's saying. You can't talk about it. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another by talking about it. What he's saying is don't walk around like you've been in a fight with Mike Tyson. So that people can say to you, oh, brother, brother, how you doing? You, you, you. And you go, oh, well, I'm just laying it all on the line for the Lord. That's what he's saying. Because that's what the Pharisees would do. They, they wanted people oh, they wanted people to celebrate their external holiness. But what did Jesus call them? Whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You look good on the outside, but inside you're rotting. That's what Jesus said. And so he said, don't get out here and show out and disfigure your face. Because that's what the hypocrites do. And this is the scariest part of this verse. He says, they have received their reward. In other words, in other words, the only reward they will ever receive is the praises of people. And one day that will cease and they will have to face a holy God. And then they'll know what's what. They have received their reward. So when you fast, again, let's, let's practice. Somebody say when. Now put a hard Dr. King H on there. Say, when. when. Now you can't be ignorant to it. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Get the crusties out your eyes. Put some lotion on. Comb your hair. Don't be ashy so that people know you're suffering. Get yourself together. Why? He says it again. That your fasting may not be seen by others. Same idea. When I'm fasting, I'm going to walk 
in the same depth of passion and authority and joy, 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 death to Eeyore Christianity, joy. I want to be just as joyful as when my belly is full. And I want to look just as put together as when my belly is, that's what he's saying. Don't walk around looking crusty so that people can say, man, you're looking rough. And you say, well, you know, I've been fasting for six hours and, <laughs> and it's taking everything I've got. No. No, get yourself together so that you're only seen by your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret, he is the one that will reward you. He is the one that will reward you. We don't have time for a theology of rewarding, but I do want to hopefully implant in your mind today that God does reward diligence and faithfulness. He does. He does. Okay? So don't be weird about that. I'm not telling you you're going to wish a Lamborghini into your driveway, but I am telling you, I am telling you that when we do the things of God, with the heart of God and the way of God that he rewards his people. That's all over the word. Now, three, and I'm done. Not only did Jesus fast, and not only did he expect us to fast, but one of the gifts of fasting is that the Holy Spirit gives direction through fasting. The Holy Spirit gives direction through fasting. You ask yourself the question, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, I'll tell you, John 14 and 15. Jesus said, it is good for me to go. Why? Because if I don't go, I can't send the helper. Okay? So I'm going to go so that I can send the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, who will be with you 24-7, 365. Okay? My Spirit proceeds from me. The Holy Spirit gives direction through fasting. And we have this beautiful example in the book of Acts. Chapter 13, now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. Look at this very closely. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called him. Then after Fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. The commitment of the leadership in the congregation to fast was undoubtedly to aid their prayer times. In other words, in other words, as they sought God with expectancy and devotion, expectancy, that's what, listen, for those of you who show up early and on time, thank you. No, I'm not coming at you. Thank you for setting the culture in this house. Because we want to have a culture of expectation that when we come on a Sunday, God's going to do some stuff. Right? He's going to do. So it's six of us in the front clapping as the service starts. And I'm like, the rest going to be here soon, Lord. They're going to be here soon. I believe it in the name of Jesus. Right? There's a, there's a feeling of expectancy. Devotion. They believe that through fasting they would be able to more intently and acutely direct their prayers. 
as to position themselves to more readily hear what it is that God would say to them. Perhaps they needed direction in the midst of this uh, uh, on how to lead amid the great diversity of their church. See Galatians 2.14. Or maybe they were seeking guidance on what to do about the intensifying uh, persecution and oppression that the church was experiencing at the time, particularly in Jerusalem. Perhaps they were seeking direction uh, for the burgeoning global presence of the gospel, particularly as it began to impact the Gentiles. It may well have been all of the above, but the point is clear, listen, the point is clear that they were unwilling to make a move without first fasting and asking God which way to go. We got to stop moving in our own power, folks. We got to be unwilling to move until God says. No significant decision about our direction should be made apart from prayer and fasting, period. Not for Jesus' people. So you want to know if you should marry him? You better go on a fast. You want to know if you should change jobs or change churches? You better go on a fast. You want to know where to move or what to do next? Should you take that promotion? Is it time for a baby? Why don't you step back and fast and pray and see what the Lord says rather than going in your own direction and then looking back and saying, God, co-sign this because I can't do it without you. Now, here's the grace of God. Sometimes he does come through and co-sign because he, he's just kind like that. You know, we do it as parents. We do it for our kids. We, we watch them do dumb stuff, and, and we let them get right to the edge of dumbosity. Ossity. And then we grab them. And we say, I got you. I got you. I'm going to take you the rest of the way. Sometimes God do that. But if you're a good parent, sometimes you let them hit their face. I'm just letting you know. You let Because they got to know. Hot mean hot. Don't run in socks mean don't run in socks. Don't run in socks in the house. You're going to tumble right through the front door. That, that, that. You made a choice, son. You made a choice. Right? Sometimes God lets us hit a wall. Hoping that the next time we'll stop and say, you know what? I should, I should see what dad thinks about this before I just go out here and start doing stuff. As these leaders and the local expression that Jesus follows with them try to balance the chaotic world of first century Christianity and the future direction of Jesus' movement, they first seek God in fasting and prayer. And as they fasted and prayed for what we don't fully know, we don't. The Holy Spirit spoke in the midst of it. And from their expectancy and devotion and subsequent obedience is birthed the first planned overseas mission. Did you know that? This was the first planned overseas mission. Birthed from prayer and fasting. God took the initiative in every new development and direction of the early church. Still, the church did its part. The church fasted and prayed, seeking the divine leading of God in expectant devotion. Can I say one more thing today? Divine direction requires divine connection. 
You want to know what God thinks? Then you got to actually talk to him. <laughs> you got to talk to him. You got to spend time with him. If you want God to give you direction, then you got to communicate with him. You got to communicate with him. And partner that communication with regularly fasting as though it is a normal and ordinary aspect of your life. Of your life. In fact, the way this is written is powerful. It just says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. What does that signal? A remarkable regularity. It didn't say they set aside a specific time to fast. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad we do that. But it says, while they were worshiping and fasting, there's a remarkable regularity to this. And here we see in the course of good godly leadership among average followers of Jesus, that fasting and prayer are just another aspect of a healthy Christian life. Richard Foster writes again, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food or anything else as we are feasting on the word of God. Doesn't that go back to the first point when Jesus fasted? He had a word because he had been eating the word. It's not so much abstaining as it is feasting on the word of God. Fasting is feasting. And it is not an optional discipline for the Christian on rare occasion, nor is it reserved for the super spiritual. The ultimate goal is to draw nearer to God. That's it. And ultimately, fasting makes us more like Jesus. Fasting makes us more like Jesus. Of course, if you're listening today and you're still unsure or undecided about Jesus, then a message on fasting would not seem to be very relevant. And, and, and I understand that, but hear me out. I, I know life is full of challenges and big decisions and moments where you don't know where to go or even how. I know because I've lived it. We all do. It's the human story. And so the question I will put before you is what alternative do we have when facing life's challenges, when facing a mounting list of decisions to be made and directions to choose? We can get good advice from a friend. We can get good advice from a counselor. We can follow our gut. But what if instead you had access to the voice of the creator? What if instead God who made all things, including you, was the one to whom you could turn and know with all certainty that it could not go wrong. That's what's on the table today. That's what's on the table today. Jesus loves you. He wants you to experience that love and relationship with him. He wants you to know what God is like through him, and he wants to direct your life so that you can be relieved of the anxiety of not knowing what to do. invitation is yours to trust him today and so for all of us for all of us here's our direct call to respond make fasting a regular rhythm in your life starting today I mean I had a simple assignment today that was to get you to see the value of fasting and start doing it today Make fasting 
a regular rhythm in your life starting today. Starting today. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you do an all-out food fast, water-only fast, juice fast, Daniel fast. There are several methods of fasting. If you want to investigate some of those methods, uh, I, I wrote a blog post this week. You should have gotten it in your email, but if not, it's at leoncrump.com, uh, and it lays out several methods of fasting, websites you can go to, different resources that you can have. But at the end of the day, the call is simple. Make this a part of your life. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I, I just don't know if I'm ready to do that, Pastor. Okay, well, can I invite you at least to ask Jesus to help you to want to obey him in fasting so that one day you can feast on all the benefits of fasting. Sometimes we got to pray for the want to. That's a different message for another day. But if you fast, if you fast, you will have power for life. You will have intimacy with God. You will have clarity in direction. You will have a full spirit-led inspired faith. And if you don't, if you don't, then your walk with Jesus, well, it remains stale, stilted, and really unable to fully function in the way that God desires for you. And he wants so much more for you, so much more. And so maybe a closing question will challenge your heart. What, what if we had a vision so significant for our church that it could not possibly be, be fulfilled without fasting and prayer? What if you had a dream so glorious for your own life that it could not possibly be reached without fasting and prayer? Would you do it then? I hope you would choose more than mundane. Father, we pray that you would seal this word to our hearts. And that as we have been challenged, we've also been encouraged and strengthened. And that your spirit would give us the power to do the things that we cannot do in our own strength and by our own flesh. In Jesus' name, amen.